Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. 2019, knowing him more, knowing me. Welcome to Yakal House. And now, our senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. Very broad subject. I can promise you, in the next 10 years, I'll still be talking about this salvation. I can't finish. Yeah. The material available to me for my studies can last more than 10 years. Even if I don't change subject. And all I preach every day is huge. And trust me, you better understand Christianity if you understand salvation. You can't understand Christianity if you don't understand salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. God, you are good. 2 Timothy chapter 3 reading from verse 15. And that from a child. He said, that from a child. Thou hast known the holy scriptures. Thou hast known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise. Which are able to make thee wise. Unto salvation. Unto salvation. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine. And it's profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For reproof. For correction. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. For instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. That the man of God may be perfect. Totally furnished unto all good works. That the man of God is furnished unto all good works. Okay. <laughs> First, read the 15 again. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. And that from a child... Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. He says, from a child you have known from Genesis all the way to Malachi. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And the Scriptures are supposed to make thee wise unto what? Salvation. salvation. So, when I read the Scriptures, I develop or I gain wisdom into salvation. That is why I say suddenly that the whole message of the bible is salvation the whole message of the bible is salvation it says from a child you have known the holy scriptures and these sacred writings are able to make thee wise unto what salvation salvation wise unto salvation don't forget writing to Timothy. Timothy was not an unbeliever. He is a born again. So salvation and his wisdom is beneficiary for both 
the unsaved and the saved. Don't forget the book of Timothy was written to the pastor Timothy. And Paul is establishing a foundation for him. That from a child you have known that these scriptures are to make you wise in the subject of salvation. Then he goes forward. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He says that all scriptures, everything written in the scriptures is given by inspiration of God. Are inspired by God. And is profitable for doctrine. And is profitable for doctrine. Hear me very well. Anytime I start a message, like every pastor do, there is something called introduction. If you miss the introduction, you can get lost in the message. So everything I say, don't think you have heard. You have to listen and listen again. Repetition is good for emphasis. The word of truth is consistent. So, there are certain scriptures, don't think you know them. Because even me telling you, I've read it more than five times. Before coming. So, when I, when I start teaching on repentance, and I tell you that the word repentance doesn't mean what the English dictionary says in Bible contests. You will miss my explanation if you miss the first few things I said. I said that words in the Bible have biblical meaning. If you miss that statement, it will be difficult for you to get the totality of what I'm teaching. I said that words in the Bible, like salvation, like repentance, they have biblical meaning. And then because they are English words, they have English meaning. That if you use the literal English meaning to explain a biblical term, you may get it wrong. And most of the time, people are using their mind to interpret the Bible. So you see a lot of people using dictionary to define. Then there is something called language barrier. The Bible was written, the Old Testament, majority of them were written in Hebrew. And the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, was written in Greek. We all know that when it comes to language translation, sometimes certain words will be missed by those who are interpreting the scripture. Number three, the Bible, because it was written in Greek and in Hebrew, it has to be translated from Greek and Hebrew to English. Now, when the Bible was first written, the common English word or English language available was the King James. So you find, so or let me say, you find the Tao, Tao. So I remember when I got saved, anytime anybody was prophesying, Mass prophecy. They'll go, Thou sayest the Lord. I am thou the Lord. So, out of ignorance, we thought when God speaks, He speaks Bible language. Because we thought the King James language was God's language. 
thou sayest the Lord, I thy Lord, thou bringest thou thee from thou amongst thou. <laughs> and it's ignorant. So you see, so these are simple, simple things that when I teach, I try to let you understand. Based on what we thought God's language was by the King James, all the people in the early times before NIV uh, Amplified came were prophesying in the language of the King James. In fact, it even sounded more spiritual. And simply ignorance is doing this. So you go to a 21st century church and they are doing thou, 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 thou. And some people didn't even understand what the thou cometh, goeth, doeth. They didn't get it. It is nothing spiritual. The people who translated the Bible were not spiritual. Some of them are even unbelievers. It's like taking your key assignment to an English teacher to explain to you. Most of us can't read our local dialect. So you get somebody who can read, the person reads, and then the person explains to you. In let's say in English language you understand. So from Greek to English, problems were created. Then don't forget, I've said again, that even the English language is just 600 and something years old. Some say 650 years old. So if the King James, if the Bible is, let's say, 1,500 years old, and the English language is 650, so, so many years it was in circulation, people who spoke English were not able to have an English Bible. Now, apart from the fact that the English language is 650 years old, since its existence, it has been changed. Should I say improved? So it has been changed 16 times. So words that maybe some years ago. So there's something they call colloquial English, right? Colloquial. Whatever. English is olden days English. Now there is a modern English. So words that some people used to use before. They don't use it now. You'll be surprised, you'll be surprised that an English word will be spoken to you because it's not a word you are familiar with, you won't understand. Another point, when the Bible was written, because the Greek and the Hebrew was older than the English, in interpretation, they couldn't find some words that fit exactly what the Greek word was saying. So what they did was to put in probable meaning. So if you don't go to the root Greek word and you put a probable meaning, you may get wrongly what the person who was teaching was saying. So it is not the Bible that is confusing. It is the translators. And some of them even moved from translation to interpretation. So instead of saying what is written there, they try to explain it. But when you are doing translation, you don't interpret. For me, I'm just giving an example. Please don't get offended. Because 
Naturally, I'm an Ashanti from the Ashanti tribe. With the little English I know. Sometimes I pick the key Bible. And the, without any Greek root and everything. Even the English word versus the key word is different. Because the time they were writing it. Maybe that is how it meant to the person who was translating it. So you can see some words in the key language. When you compare it to the English, modern day, you will see it is totally different. That's why sometimes in my teaching, I go and refer and give you the Greek Hebrew meaning. It's not that you are in a Greek class. But it helps better explanation. So it's important you understand why are we quoting, why? It, it's not spiritual. There's nothing spiritual about the Greek language. It's a normal language. But Jesus and his people, that's the language they spoke. So to understand what they meant, it's like sometimes as an Ashanti, when I meet some elderly Ashantis, they speak some key that I don't understand. I have to ask somebody who would translate it into modern key. For me to now, oh, what is Asanka? Asanka, okay. I said, what is Asanka? Somebody say Ayowa. So, you see that Asanka itself in Chi has two. One can be a very local name. The other can be the indigenous, latest, modern, contemporary. Thank you. So, that's how it is with the Bible. So there are a lot of things. Sometimes if you overstretch language, you lose its meaning. If you overstretch language, you lose its meaning. The day I heard of the English name for Bentwa, I couldn't believe it. There is no way you hear that English name anywhere and you will think it's the almighty, you know. Sometimes they go around and they ask, what's the English name for this? And people don't know. Because my within the same. Do you understand? So if you don't get this basis accurate in your mind, when we teach you think we are ah, what's going on? You are confused. No. If you really want to know, you set your mind and you know. If you decide I won't know, you won't know. Desire to know. Hallelujah. Say tell somebody desire to know. So another point is also. It is important to know. Okay, take somebody like Jesus. When he was teaching, he never referred to any material save the Bible. So, when they speak, they say, according to the scriptures. So that the scriptures are our first point of call. What does the Bible say? The believer should make the Bible his first. I believe God inspires men to write books. I believe in that. But the book should not contradict the teachings of the Bible. For example, if the Bible has not placed emphasis on olive oil and you write a book and the whole message of your book is the olive oil for the New Testament believer which was not taught in fact, when you look through the New Testament, I don't think you can find the, the word olive oil even three times in the New. After the church was established. 
you will find that word the olive oil to even add bottle but to cry that you will eat you know and now I, 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 I went to a program and they pray for something then they will go and bring horn my god 21st century and then they have poured oil in the horn and sometimes you see for me I don't know please understand this just understand this I beg you the church that we all attend the only reason you are a Christian is because of the death of Christ everybody that comes to this church must understand this is why we preach the message we preach there was no church even Jesus didn't go to church he went to synagogue there was nothing called C-H-U-R-C-H till his death burial and resurrection number two there were two covenants the old covenant and with the old covenant they followed the commandments of Moses and with the old covenant it was all about rituals even rituals that God didn't impose on the people it was Moses who decided that if we are going to serve God this is this 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 for God imagine you want to be in a relationship with somebody and then before you even say Jack sister I really like you I want to go out with you but I have 620 rules you have not said yes I will agree before you even say I will agree the person has brought you 620 rules and then they said please there's one condition to these rules if you break one you are broken all if you want to make me happy you have to keep these laws diligently with your heart so it means that if you follow all the six no i can't say all if you follow most 690 and a half and a half to make it 620 to get 100 100 you break it it's a zero how would you feel who wants to enter into a relationship with somebody and even the salt you put in your soup you have to measure it and bring accountability find out from anybody who has been to israel on the sabbath day on the sabbath day that's why people are very crazy about the word sabbath they think most people are not christians <laughs> because on the israel people sabbath day brethren in christ you don't even cook food to eat in fact you can read it in the bible when your animal falls into a gutter and is dying you don't have a right to remove the animal from the gutter Sabbath day rules. When you go to Israel, I said, ask anybody who's been to Israel. When you go to Israel on Sabbath day, on Sabbath day, brethren, if you sit in any elevator, you can't press the number floor you are going to. It is work. So, if the hotel is, the, 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 the hotel has 50th floor, every floor they have set it that on sabbath days the elevator stops at every floor 
So if you are going to floor 50 and nobody's in the elevator, it gets to one, it will stop, it will open. Two, it will stop, it will open. Because you don't have to press, it's on the Sabbath day. How do you relate to a God like that? That when you press the elevator, you have sinned. And yet, God is looking for relationship. Who wants relationship and brings rules? Do a comparison, right? No, it's okay. If I give this, forget it. Let's focus on the Israelites. So, that's their covenant. They keep the law of Moses. They have a way of dressing. Listen very carefully. They are particular about your hair. They are particular about so many things. In fact, they are so particular that even women have a place they sit and where men sit. But when you read the New Testament, after the death of Christ, the Bible says there's neither male nor female. So you don't more use sex to differentiate people. But when you go to the Jewish tradition, when you go to the Jewish worship, they still do that. And the mistake people do, is that they think that the fact that it's in the Bible... It means it's for us. That's why I've told you that in this my series on salvation, I promise you, as God helping me, I will teach you why salvation came from the Jews. Why amongst all the nations in the world, Israel was chosen. Because everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of what was coming. So there's nothing that happened that was for why between Jacob and Esau. Jacob I hate. It's not for that. There is nothing like that. Absolutely. And to surprise you, everything was preparing for the coming of Christ. That's why the message of the Bible is salvation. And the character of the Bible is Christ. That's why you hear Paul saying that to whom he predestined, he called. Them he called. All that was explaining why. That's why some people ignorantly think Christianity is for only the Jews. The how can you be in Ghana and you say you are a Christian? It's because people don't properly explain the Bible. Christianity is never for one country. Never. And because Christians don't study well, any ignorant person can say anything and then they are confused. The first covenant was for God and the people of Israel. So the people of Israel saw other nations who live around them as Gentiles. So Gentile is not a name of one city. Anybody who didn't follow their commandment, they saw you as a Gentile. That's why when people are living in Ghana and they are so passionate about the Ten Commandments, I even wonder what's their problem. That even the Moses that brought it, the Moses that wrote all the 620, he never followed one, one, one. Because even the laws of Moses was given to a specific location. When they get to the land which the Lord your God will give you. So 40 years in the wilderness. Were they following the law? No. They were not. They were not. They were not. Matthew chapter 26 verse 28. Chapter 26. 
the verse number 28 this is before jesus died for this is my blood of the new testament so jesus was sitting at table with the disciples this is how communion became people's ritual and communion has become a practice in christianity when you explain in scripture people don't take their time to listen jesus took the cup and what did he say for this is my blood of the New Testament. When he was holding the cup, was his blood inside the cup? No! It is symbolic. Symbolic. He was symbolizing the Jews. Remember, the Passover was established when they were in Egypt. When the spirit of death was killing people, they killed animals and put his blood on their doorpost and after their deliverance the spirit of death passed over them because of the blood so they established the Passover feast and during the Passover feast they will take wine they will take bread not the one you people have been eating in Ghana you can be use um, sugar bread to do communion it was unleavened bread people when they are going to they tell the people organizing the communion, yeah, pediedo, amuma de sugar womb, shua ejoka. So, and even the Passover was not just bread and wine, no. there were other things involved. So, Jesus is a Jew. So, as a Jew, he had Passover. It's like being a Ghanaian, and we are celebrating Independence Day. So, in that celebration, since it's something that people understand because he's a teacher he always wants to use physical things they understand to teach them because when he starts speaking spiritual things they were not getting it because they didn't have the holy ghost so while they were eating the passover with their bread and their wine he picked the wine in the cup and he lifted it and said this is my blood of the new testament is my blood of the new testament which is shared for many for the remission of which sins. is shared for what for many for what the remission of sins so he's saying that there is a new testament when he mentions the new to the jew you Ghanaian won't understand but the jew will because they know of a, a, a testament and to them that testament was never called old they knew it as a testament this is a covenant we have with god so to them they are special people that god treats them special that's the mentality the israelites had then jesus comes to the scene and he says that my blood is going to be shed and this blood is going to be for a new covenant which is different from the one that is between God and only the Israelites. This one is going to be shared for who? Many. So with this new covenant, it is not for special people. It's for everybody. For God so loved the world. He didn't say for God so loved Israel that he gave his only begotten son. No. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever anybody anybody irrespective of where you come from 
As long as you qualify for anybody whosoever, you qualify for this New Testament. The Jews struggled with Jesus. Why did the Bible say in John, give me John chapter 1 verse 12, 13 and 14. Listen, why? They had the prophecies. They knew, they were told that the Messiah was coming. They knew it. It's written in their Torah. They know it in their Old Testament. Still, they were so used to what they are used to. They killed Jesus, who they were waiting for. Even their fathers was waiting for this Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12. Let's go. John 1 12. Uh -huh. But as many as received him. Start from 11. He came unto his own. Is it 10 or 11? 11. 11. He came unto his own. He says he came unto who? His own. His own and he came unto the Israelites. And his own received him And not. his own Israelites received him not. But That's why you go to Israel today. A majority of them are not Christians. They are still Jews. Came unto them. And his own did not receive him. But as many but as, as many him, as received him. Received him. To them gave he power. To, to them, anybody that received Jesus, Jesus then gave the power to become the sons of God. To become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on him. He says, even it was so easy that anybody who even in his name and I have told you that his name is his accomplishment what is accomplishment that he died for sins and he resurrected for justification so anybody that believes that Jesus died for their sins and that Jesus resurrected for his justification he gave you the right to become a son of God so the sons of God or the children of God that the people of Israel used to brag with we are the children of God. Now, God gives people the power to become who? Sons of God. So the new covenant was birthed after his death, burial, and resurrection. There was nothing called church. That is why, again, Jesus, you remember, stood in the synagogue and said to them, Give me three days. And I will pull down. <laughs> this is your temple. And the people got mad. Do you know who built this thing? Do you know how old this thing is? And the Bible says he was not talking about the physical temple. They are not getting it. He's talking about the rituals they have been used to. Three days. How are you? Which construction company can use three days to build the temple? Do you know how old that temple was? But he was referring to his death, burial, and resurrection. Which was done in three days. So what he was saying was that I am building a new church. And a new people. It's a new covenant. And the people of Israel couldn't get it. So like I said, he speaks with natural things to explain to them spiritual things. They are not getting it. And then when people look at the natural things Jesus used, they turn it into, they turn it into a worship item. That's why people think if you build a temple, then God, he has told you. The body of Christ refers to Christians that are born again. And he is the head of the body. So it's not about a physical building. Find out. In the early church, 
Where were they meeting? In houses, in people's homes, community centers. Was Holy Spirit not there? He was over there. He was over there. He did more miracles in people's homes. Ah, in people's homes, in streets. We have built air-conditioned auditoriums. Yet there is no power. And we are preaching technology. And preaching business in the temple. So when he says, this is my body that will be shared. He really said, go and be eating communion and wine. Let's give you an example. The people who go and quote Paul. Paul is saying, there was confusion in the church in Corinth. So Paul wants to bring unity amongst them. Then he says to them, do you remember the night that our Lord Jesus Christ, before he was crucified, he picked the cup and he said, this is my blood which shall be shed. He took bread and blessed after he has blessed. So he was narrating. He was not practicing. He was narrating to them after he had prayed. He broke it and said, this should be shared amongst us. So when we meet to eat, Jesus says, using the wine and the bread was to teach them brotherly love. That since he is going to share his blood for everybody, we should share love amongst us. So if we want to remember Christ Jesus, we remember his sacrifice of love. And he says, do sacrifice of love in remembering of who? Me. So I show love to remember what my Savior did. Not eat wine and bread. So he is showing example of humility. He is teaching them because he heard the disciples fighting over who will sit on my left, who will sit on my right. Then he said, get me a bowl. Get me a bowl. They brought a bowl. In the Israel tradition, in the Jewish tradition, is servants who wash the feet of visitors and the master. So he took a bowl and they were surprised. What is our master going to do with a bowl and water? Because masters don't pick bowl and water. Then he removed his dress like the servants do. And he said, bring your feet and let me wash it. Peter said, no. How can my master wash my feet? That's an abomination. He said, yes. In your Jewish tradition, it's an abomination. But in the new kingdom, he says the masters of this world, they use their authority to lord over people. But in the kingdom that I am going to build with my body and with my blood, in that kingdom, the greatest is the least. We serve in this kingdom. He said, just as I'm washing, so do. He didn't say, use it. As a proof of financial breakthrough. So washing of feet to transform your destiny. Whose destiny was transformed when even a whole Jesus washed their feet? So tell them to use your common sense. Yes, you name who I'm going to my brother's And a prophet Gilbert who will our brother. Stop that joking. A whole Messiah washed their feet. They were still the same. Should I surprise you? Even Judah's feet was washed. Even Judas. Or the washing of it in destiny as in now. He couldn't change his destiny of betraying the Messiah. Then you, you are washing your feet in 21st century to change your what? 
It can't even change your hairstyle. Don't use the scriptures for what the scriptures are not used for. So when Jesus is using symbols, tokens, then we are practicing the symbols, tokens in the new church. Ask anybody, common sense, before we even open Bible verses, what is the use of the olive oil? It was used to represent power, anointing, Holy Spirit. Because then they didn't have the Holy Spirit abiding with them. So when you want the Spirit of God to come on David as a king, you pour oil on him to represent the Holy Spirit. And when Samuel poured oil on David, from that day forward, the Spirit of God came upon him. Symbolic. But when you come to the new church, Jesus told them in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, tarry here in Jerusalem. For the promise of our God. Which is the Holy Spirit. He says, Yea, shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So receiving power was no more in olive bottle or horn of oil. You receive power when the Holy Ghost came upon you. So it's no more in the horn. It's no more in a substance. It is an embarrassing Formula to think you can keep God in a bottle. You see Alibaba. So your God is inside your pocket. If I open small of my God, eh? You know those days, they used to have that movie, Aladdin. When he opens the bottle like that, then Jimmy will come out. So you only bottle. So that ritualistic mentality, those movies you have been watching. So you think God is in that bottle. That's why people are worshipping the oil. Hey! Me want you say right there. Oh God. That's why sometimes when I ask people questions, they get angry. You see, you don't have to let your anger interpret the Bible. Sometimes, you know, you are so intelligent, you are graduate. Think about it. That. The olive oil in the in the in the shop that you go and buy, is it powerful on its own? They will say no. Okay. So how does it get power when the pastor lays hands on it? So why is it that okay when the pastor lays hands on the oil, then the power enter the oil bottle, then he pours the power from the bottle to your head. So why does he have to go through the bottle to get to you? You should just put his hand on you so that the power will come. Direct instead of using transformer. <laughs> ah, because still you want that thing in your life. So why are you putting it in the bottle that will finish? So put it in the body. So as long as you are alive, is that not it? Because the bottle will finish. Then you need to go for another one. But this one, if it's inside your body, hey, when you shake like this. <laughs> God is too wise to put his power in substance. He says in acting vessels are treasures. In acting vessels, that's you. God's treasure is in the human being. The greatest creation of God is the human being. That's why when God wanted to come, he didn't turn into anything but a human being. The best of his product. Because he created the product like himself. So it was easy 
for God to come in the form of a man. So the church of Christ is built on his resurrection. So to answer every question of confusion. Oh, so if I became a church after his resurrection. Anything that happened before doesn't matter. You shouldn't concentrate on that. They were all shadows. So why should I go back in the past? After he resurrected, what happened? How were they living? How was life? So that's how this church has moved from the old system of Judaism, African religion, mixed all together. We don't even know what we do. We don't have an identity. Do you know, I look at Facebook and I see some of the churches, what we are doing. I begin to ask myself, is the church getting more worldly? Even some of the language we use on God's pulpit. I go around, because we have our service in the evening, I was going around Facebook, listening to some churches. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Even the announcement they are giving. 80% of the things are saying, nothing about Christ. Don't forget Wednesday our business meeting is coming on. Friday our get together. Thursday. Wow. Wow. And this is what we used to do. And people love the fun part of Yaka house. Someone said we miss that Yaka. He's in the grave. You can go there if you must. He died with Christ. The old man died with Christ on the cross. You know? Hey, I saw pastors. There was a church around Aoji. I don't know what program they were doing. The pastor has dressed like a wonche. You know wonche? Like a fetish priest. Amazing. And different people have dressed. Wow. And I remember when I wore the skirt. You know? So, and then I cast my Bible. So all that I do is that I compare these things with the Bible. See Paul, Apostle Paul. <laughs> Wearing one garment. They never did that. In fact, we have time at our hand for useless things. That's our problem. They, they understood the Great Commission. That every minute, every day counts. So there's no time for entertainment. When shows are perishing, you're organizing what? Comedy and prophecy. The 24-hour self was not even enough. When we have to spread the word. Look at the ignorance that has filled our churches. And then you want to come and meet and do what? That's a competition. I've gone to how many schools you couldn't or at your talent. Is it the church you are coming to find your talent? You don't have one. Forget it. But through all these schools, you didn't know you have a talent. This church too, you have come. That's why you want to come and or at your talent. You don't have one. Nobody was developing any talent in the Bible, in the early church. No talent was developed. The focus was Christ and the message of the gospel. Paul said, God in his wisdom chose the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching to save. Go please, some of you that are good at history, go and find out the history of acting. The history of dancing. And know how many years dancing. What you now call choreography has been around. 
and none of them was practiced in the church. Before the man of God, Apostle Paul comes to preach, we shall invite the Yaka dancers. Hey, then they come. You know the amazing thing with the church now? And then the no no let me look at a, a, a very special name. Yaka, if you mention Yaka dancers, Yaka itself doesn't even look like a church. So if they do anything that doesn't look like a church, you can be forgiven. Because they the Christ ambassadors dancers. The Christ ambassadors dancers. The they said there's a new dance cohort. Oh you know, you know, mention it. Shawu Shawu or Chaku Chaku Chao said Chaku Chaku. Shaku Shaku. And then see you just listen to Christ ambassadors. And then they'll be playing what they call gospel music. And they are dancing wedly to it in the house of God. And then the Christians are clapping. Hey, this same dance they dance at club. They have brought it to God's house. And we are celebrating it. The only difference is the song they are playing. And you think that's Christianity? That's Christianity? Who says don't be conformed to this world. But we should be transformed by the what? The renewing on of our mind. When the Bible says that this is God's house and there are way things have to be done in God's house. Dance it in your house. I don't care. In the house of God, certain things should never be seen in God's house. Never. Paul said, there are such things they shouldn't even be mentioned amongst you. And now, the church has developed so much in the negative way that if you do church and you don't add extra curricular activities, people don't feel good though. I say, every day we Bible. Hey, are Bible school? Are no, what exactly do you want to quote in the house of God? I should bring newspaper. Daily guy, front page. Because we have lost focus. They never met and discussed the economy of the time. They never went to church. You will never find any sermon in the house of apostles on economic empowerment. Let any pastor come and prove it. You can't find any sermon in the epistles. God, does he care about your well-being? Yes, of course. If he doesn't care, he'll give you brain. If God doesn't care about your well-being, he will not give you brains. That when you study, it sticks. Go and find out the epistle of Paul to the church in Ephesus, in Thessalonica. He says, tell the brothers, the busybodies who don't work, that they should find work. And it was not a sermon on how to find a job. He was even teaching about doing good, that you should assist people who are poor amongst us, people who are needy. Then after advising that we should help them, then he says, the fact that they are helping you doesn't mean would they be a poor sir, about making cash. Find something to do with your life. He gives examples of himself that it is my right as an apostle that after I have sown spiritually you also return. Give me physical things. He says, but I didn't take advantage of you. When I came to you, I was busy night and day working with my hands. A lot of pastors are full-time pastors. 
Yet they are full time sleeping and watching movies. They don't even have time to prepare sermon. Every day they are rushing with their Bible. Charlie, man, verse, man, verse. If you are a full time pastor, which you can't find, the apostles worked. They worked. So you have to understand the church I attend. It's not a materialistic church. It's a church that is patterned after the church you find in the Bible. The finished work of Christ. When they don't focus on the finished work of Christ, that's why they teach you 14 steps to be righteous. Because it's in the law of Moses you have steps to be righteous. In the church that Jesus built, righteousness is a gift. It is not something you attain. Romans chapter 10 from verse 1. Romans chapter 10 reading from verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Because they have a zeal of God. But not according to A lot of people have zeal of God. But their zeal has no knowledge. They are just zealous. They are just emotional. They are just superstitious. They don't have the accurate, precise, comprehensive knowledge of what the church stands for. So they go about doing what? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Because they are ignorant of God's righteousness. They are going about to establish their they own righteousness. They are going about establishing their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness They have of not God. submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Ah, so sometimes I wonder do people have Bibles? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. That is the full sentence. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone. To everyone. So anybody who becomes a believer, Christ has ended you becoming righteous by keeping the law. So when you don't know what Christ has done, you will be forcing people Putting people under bondage, under works, instead of depending on what Christ has done. So now what Christ has done looks foreign to the church. How can you tell me I am righteous? How did I become righteous? The Christian who calls himself a Christian doesn't even know what Christ did for them. So when you tell them Christ has given you righteousness, they are arguing. It's not their fault. They have been going to Moses' church. In a new covenant temple. A lot of pastors preach Moses. They don't preach Jesus. A lot of pastors struggle to understand. That even Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law. When he says that. They even misinterpret it. He says I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. What does that mean? I came to fulfill it. I came to end it. To finish it. Meet its requirement. So that nobody else will be meeting its requirement. So when you are quoting it, quote it that you are no more under it. And two, remember that Jesus was under the law. That's why he had Passover. After he, watch this, after his resurrection, did he have Passover? He had bread and fish. Ah, why is it that when he resurrected and he wanted to eat with them? Would he do communion service? 
Is that not more holy? You just came from the spirit, from heaven. If you want to eat, what food would you eat? Is it not communion? Bread and wine? Yet what did he eat? Man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> but against fried fish. We want to do it yet so when you see people very superstitious about some things you don't know what the communion has done for me you know what the communion did for you the communion you are trying to talk about is what Christ did for you that's what has power not that bread and vinto my former church we used to use vinto do you know vinto I said I went to a particular orthodox church they gave me bobisa and all thing. and we said we're near See, there are some places, small, small boys, when they stand up, they say they are pastors. There are certain places you have to be strong to eat and drink of the blood of Jesus. You think the blood of Jesus is easy like that? Yeah, it, it has to, it's so powerful that even his talking is powerful. The symbolic blood is even anointed. Master. <laughs> You are drinking sugar. You say you are drinking the blood of Jesus. <laughs> are you following me? So the church is built on the finished work of Christ. The finished work. What have I become after he died? That's why he told them in John chapter 14 verse 20. He says on that day. When the church is established. John 14 20. John chapter 14 verse 20. At that day. He says at that day. In that season. In that period. Ye shall know that I am in my father. You will know that I, Jesus, am in my father. And ye in me. And you are in me. And I in you. And I am in you. This thing could never happen except after his death. Don't forget in the verse 2 of the same John 14. He says he was going to prepare a place for them. So in explaining his preparation of the place that where he is there as well, they will also be, when he got to the verse 20, he says, on that day, after I finish preparing, you will know that I am in you and you are in me. That's what Christianity is about. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So in Christianity, my focus is not the devil, my focus is on Christ. In Christianity, I focus on what I have become. I don't worry myself about who is doing me. Because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I need to get knowledge to know who I am, what I have become, what I possess. So Paul praying for the Ephesus church, he says, I cease not to pray for you. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 6. Cease not to pray for you. Making mention of you always in my prayer. When I heard of your faith. 16, 17, 18, 20. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you. I cease not to give thanks for you. Making, making mention, mention of you, of you in always prayers, in my prayers. That the God, that the of, our God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ the, the Father, Father of glory, may so give, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of Him. In the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding. The eyes of your understanding. My prayer is that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. That ye may know that what, ye is, the may know what is the hope of His calling. He calling you into being Him and you in Him. You will know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory and of what the is the benefits the 
of the inheritance of every believer. Then he starts listing some of the benefits. And what is the exceeding greatness he of his power? He says, what is the exceeding what? greatness of his power? What? To us what? Who the believe? power is to us. The power of God is to nobody but to the believer. He says there is a power of God that is bestowed, implanted, implanted in the believer. It's to us, to us. It's not towards us, it's to us. Talk to me. According to the working of his mighty power. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when uh -huh. he raised him from when the dead. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the, heavenly, right places, in the heavenly places, eh? far above, far all, above principality all principality and power, and, power and, might, and might, and dominion, and dominion, and every name that is named, every name that is named, not only in this world. He says, not only in this world, but also in that world, but also in the world that is to come. Talk to me. And has put all things under his feet. He says he has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He says he gave Jesus to be the head, the head of what? All, all things, things to the church. To what? The church. All things. So everything that the believer will be is Christ. And give him to be all things. All things that the believer needs to be. Is Christ all things, and the Christ is inside you. So all the things I need, He's in me. Talk to me. Which is His body? Which is His body? The what is Jesus's body? The church. So the church, me and you, we are Jesus's body. Can you imagine? You don't know that that you are Jesus's body. So will He allow His body? To be destroyed in hell. Impossible. He didn't say Jesus, Jesus is the body for the whole world. No. He is only the body of what? The church. The people who have believed in him. You have become his body. Talk to me. Which is his body? The fullness of him that filled all the in all. The fullness of him. The fullness of him that filled all in all. That's church. So when I come to church, if I have to pray, I don't start from Moses. I don't go and copy how Elijah prayed. I start my prayer life from after his resurrection. How were people approaching God? That's where the manual of the church is. So when the church of old were fasting and crying, doing worship before God came, and if we also do that, then we are in the old church in the wilderness. The new church, Christ is already dwelling with them. He says, don't you know your body is the temple of God? That God dwells in that body? So if God is dwelling in your body, how do you worship him to come? Worship is not what determines the move of God. In fact, please never forget, God doesn't move. Why well, think, 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 think? Is God everywhere? If He's every, how, how, why will He move? He's, he's everywhere, filled everywhere. So how is He moving? Do you know what move? You move because you are limited to a certain space. Why is He moving to? Hey, God is coming. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Come here. 
You know, I, I, I love this one too. If you open your eyes, the Holy Spirit can splash you blind. Hey! Holy Spirit. Two papa papa now heard as well to me more I mean, what's that? So people worship God in fear. Yet the New Testament church he says we worship the Lord in what? Spirit and what? Not in fear. He even said, I have not given you the spirit of fear. I have given you the spirit of adoption. Where you cry, Abba, Father. Now it's a father and son relationship. There's no fear in it. It's a lovely relationship. It's a love affair. And the love is so deep. Your sins and iniquities he remembers no more. In the new covenant. He is not keeping record of error. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. So what is it to fear? When your father doesn't record your error. What is it to fear? When your father doesn't punish your error. When he's calling, why are you afraid? Meeting said, And don't be rebo. Yes, he is the justifier of the unjust. He calls you righteous. Say, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. Hebrews 8 12. What does Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Aha. For I will be merciful. He says, for in the new covenant, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. To their unrighteousness. And their sins and their And their sins and their. He says, listen, no. He says, I will be merciful to what? Their unrighteousness. Then he's explaining what he means by being merciful. Because if he says, I'll be merciful to their righteousness and their sins, then the end is as if it's continuation. No, I have told you that end in the Greek, which is the Kai explanation, K-A-I, it's not a conjunction. It explains further. So I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, which is, that is, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So, my saying of being merciful to their righteousness is that their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. It's not that I will have lost of memory that he explains again. In that he said, a new covenant he has made the first old. A new covenant he has made, which is the new covenant which we are in, the new church, now that which decayeth. Now, now that which decayeth. And waxes old is ready to vanish away. So the old one, where God was dealing with them based on their action, is decayed and what? Gone away. In this new covenant, he is merciful to their iniquities. That is, he does not record. So the message that is preached, it's remission of sins is preached. That is cancellation of sin. Is the message that is preached. Let's write these things and then we go. I'll continue next week. I had three documents, seven pages each. I have not opened one. Because if I start. So let me just say this. Salvation is in Christ Jesus. Write it. Don't forget. 
Salvation is only found in Christ Jesus. Salvation is only found in Christ Jesus. Salvation is only found in Christ Jesus. Number two, salvation is received by faith. Salvation is received by faith. Salvation is only in Christ Jesus. Salvation is received by faith. Salvation is received by faith. How, how will I be able to receive it? Number three, salvation comes from the message of the gospel. Salvation comes from the message of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He says the gospel of Christ is the power of God that saves. To everyone that believes. And it goes to anybody who has faith in the message. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Greek is non-Jews. For therein is the righteousness of he God says, revealed. In the gospel is God's righteousness. Revealed from bear. faith to faith. And it's by faith. Righteousness is always by faith in Christ. Amen. Next point. What is the role of Christ in salvation? What is the role Christ plays when we talk about salvation? What is the role Christ plays in salvation? Next point. It is important to note that the work of salvation is the work of a savior. The work of salvation is a work of a savior. The work of salvation is the work of a savior. So before somebody can accomplish salvation, you have to be a savior. That's what it means. That's why it's not anybody that can bring salvation. Salvation is the work of a savior. Another point. Salvation must be examined to understand the character of the savior. And the boundaries of salvation. Salvation must be examined. When you examine salvation. Then you understand the character of the savior. And the boundaries of salvation. To understand the character of the savior. And the boundaries of salvation. So the salvation that is presented in the Bible. There are two key things you have to look at. Number one, the Savior. And the Savior is Christ Jesus. I said the salvation that is presented in the Bible, you look at two key things with that salvation. Number one is the Savior. And the only Savior the Bible presents is Christ Jesus. Number two is the work of that Savior. And the work of the Savior is called salvation. Next point. The actions of receiving his salvation. The actions of receiving Jesus' salvation. So we have to examine the actions of receiving salvation. Number two. The effect 
if any, on the recipient of Jesus' salvation. Number one, the action of receiving Jesus' salvation. Number two, the effect, if there is any, on the recipient of the salvation that Jesus brings. Is that clear? The actions of receiving his salvation, the effect, if there is any, on the recipient of Jesus' salvation. I'll give you two and I close. Let's examine Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. What was said about Jesus before he came? We examine the Savior. Matthew 1 21. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. This was a prophecy that was given to Mary. Uh-huh. And she shall bring forth a son. He said, She shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. His name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. He shall do what? Save his people from their sins. So two key words, saving and then sins. So we are looking and examining the work of the Savior in salvation. Before he came, the message that was given about him was that he was going to save. And what was he going to save people from? From what? Sins. So, another point. So you write that Matthew's record, or better so Matthew records, that the reason for Jesus' birth was for salvation from sins. Matthew records that the reason for Jesus' birth was for salvation from sin. It is important you get these fundamentals. It will answer if a believer says, What happens? Are you saying you can live anyhow? All these things. If you don't understand the role of the Savior and the work he came to do, Matthew records. That the reason for his birth before he will even die and resurrect, the reason for him being given birth, the reason for his coming was to save from sins. Is that okay? Is that explained well? Let's take another point. The word save, as Matthew used it, is the Greek word sozo. S-O-Z-O Sozo Sozo has a broad meaning But in the context of what Matthew said Sozo implies To prevent from danger Or punishment of sin Sozo means Prevent from danger Or punishment of sin to prevent from danger or punishment of sin. Sozo, S-O-Z-O, means save. And that save, the Greek translation of sozo, is to prevent from danger or punishment of sin. So Jesus was birthed to prevent us from being punished for
for sin. Does it make sense? So Jesus' birth, the reason why he came was to prevent us from danger and from the punishment of sin. John 1.29 Quickly, John 1.29 John chapter 1 verse 29 Aha. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Aha. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that does what? Take away the sin of the world. So John says, Jesus takes away the punishment. Please write. John says, Jesus takes away the punishment or judgment for sin. Jesus takes away the judgment or punishment for sin. Is that clear? So by these two accounts by John and Matthew, we can say that Jesus' work is to save from sin. By what Matthew 1.21, John 1.29 said, we can conclude by the word of two or three witnesses, every word is established. We can establish the fact that Jesus came to save from what? Sin. Is that clear? Next week we will go into offerings. They had something called a scapegoat. And it has become an English word. It was in the Bible. And it all represents Jesus. Why was Jesus called the high priest? And we will take our time to use scriptures. To take it further to prove to you. That your salvation can never be temporary. There is no way. The salvation you received has a time limit. Did you hear that? There's no way. Okay, shall we rise up? This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544-600-600. That's 0544-600-600. We love you. And there's nothing you can do about it.